The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. There is a judgment greater than anything you've ever known. And it won't be long. Your life will pass by as a vapor And you will stand before the judgment seat of God And every secret deed and thought Every wrinkle, every spot will be in view Before the one who knows all things The Lord of Lord and King of Kings You know the one you never knew While you have breath You have a choice to make in life Turn away from your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come He is the shelter from the coming storm All creation shakes at the mention of his name He has power over life and death Every knee will bow and tongue confess Heaven and earth will proclaim That Jesus Christ is Lord To the glory of the Father Will you bow, will you surrender To His majesty He can save you from the might of all your sin the fight in which he stands in perfect victory while you have breath you have a choice to make in life turn away from your sin and believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come He is a shelter from the coming storm While you have breath 
You have a choice to make in life Turn away from all your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come He is a shelter from the coming storm He's the only shelter from the coming storm Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. In one hour, everything is going to change. This was an article written. I won't give you the name of the person because I have a problem with the article. They did an expose of... Isaiah, the 24th chapter. I'm going to share that with you in just a moment. But as they began to write this terrifying piece on Isaiah 24, this author inserted the following words. I want to read them to you. Let me make clear at this point I don't intend this message to frighten anyone. Paul tells us that as disciples of Jesus Christ, we have already passed from death into life. We who call on Jesus as Lord should be confident that no matter what happens in the world, his shed blood saves and redeems us. Let me make it very clear. I do intend that this message should frighten you. This person writing this article believes in the sinning Christian. So they believe that the blood of Jesus Christ both saves and redeems you without turning you away from your sin. I've listened to so many preachers like this some that I have great respect for, like Paul Washer. But in the midst of this, they pull their punch and say, I don't want to frighten anyone. Wrong. If we don't have a fear of God in our hearts that prevents us from walking in rebellion and sin against him, we are in serious trouble And frankly, at this point, and you'll see why as I move into this week's broadcasts, America is in trouble. The American church is in trouble. And we're in trouble because we do not fear God. We do not fear his wrath. We're comfortable in wickedness. And we all believe that somehow, when we die, 
we're going to be saved. Let me read for you a portion of Isaiah 24, and I pray that you will hear the reality of this passage of Scripture and that it will frighten you. Isaiah is probably, for me, the most frightening prophet of the Old Testament. He's frightening to me because he is so holy. He is so filled with the presence of God. Isaiah 24. See, the Lord is going to lay waste the earth and devastate it. He will ruin its face and scatter its inhabitants. Verse 3, the earth will be completely laid waste and totally plundered. The Lord has spoken this word. The earth dries up and withers. The world languishes and withers. The exalted of the earth languish. The earth is defiled by its people. They have disobeyed the laws and violated the statutes and broken the everlasting covenant. Therefore, a curse consumes the earth. Its people must bear their guilt. Therefore, the earth's inhabitants are burned up, and very few are left. The new wine dries up, and the vines wither. All the merrymakers groan. The garret... The gaiety of the tambourine is stilled. The noise of the revelers has stopped. The joyful harp is silent. No longer do they drink wine with a song, and the beer is bitter to its drinkers. The ruined city lies desolate. The entrance to every house is barred. In the streets they cry out for wine. All joy is turned to gloom. All gaiety is banished from the earth. The city is left in ruins. Its gate is battered to pieces. So will it be on the earth and among the nations, as when olive tree is beaten, or as when gleanings are left after the grape harvest. This passage in in Isaiah 24 is saying, look, The cities are going to lie waste. There is a judgment from God coming upon the earth. The four horses of the apocalypse have been released. This is speaking about our day. This is happening. You are seeing it beginning to happen. The the vineyards of France are all on fire. The vineyards of the West are drying up in the drought. Famine is coming to America. And so I I called this broadcast, Can You Be Awakened? Can you be awakened before it's too late? We are at the end of an era of time. Jesus is coming again in great judgment and glory. Now, there is one thing I want you to see. In the midst of all of this devastation, death, destruction, 
Verse 14. They raise their voices. They shout for joy. From the west they acclaim in the Lord's majesty. Therefore, in the east, give glory to the Lord. Exalt the name of the Lord, the God of Israel, in the islands of the sea. From the ends of the earth, we hear singing glory to the righteous one. So in the midst of all of this, verse 18 The floodgates of heaven are opened. The fountains of the earth shake. The earth is broken up. The earth is split asunder. The earth is thoroughly shaken. The earth reels like a drunkard and sways like a hut in the wind. Uh, So heavy upon it is the guilt of its rebellion that it falls never to rise again. In that day, the Lord will punish the powers of the heavens above and the kings of the earth below. They will be herded together like prisoners bound for a dungeon. They will shut up. They will be shut up in prison and be punished after many days. And yet in the midst of all of this devastation, there are voices being raised in praise and honor to glorify Jesus and his righteousness. And his righteousness. In other words, this is what will happen among those who are called a remnant, who will walk holy before God, who will not participate in the filth of this world, who will rise up and say, my heart is for Jesus. And in the midst of this devastation, I'm going to praise his name. I'm going to worship him. I'm going to proclaim he is my king. He is my Lord. He is my everything. I'm not going to pull any punches today. I'm going to give it to you straight. In Romans, the first chapter, Verse 18, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. Verse 21, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish dark hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. I listened to a fool this last week. And this fool was proclaiming with great authority that There is no such thing as a Holy Spirit. Well, he's right. There is not the word spirit in the scriptures. It is raw. It means wind. It is holy wind. He boldly proclaimed this fool who has turned away from the living God that we are the creation of of alien beings who are going to return. Some looking like angels of light and others looking like reptiles. The gods of the ages. 
Satan, the demons of hell, coming as angels of light. That's what the scriptures say. And this man, with all of his education and all of his sophistication, boldly proclaiming that the gods of the Phoenicians, the Elohim, not the God of Israel, rules over the heavens and the earth and that they're going to come back. Well, they are going to come back. The scriptures indicate that as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the coming of the days of the Son of Man. Yes, they're coming back. This man is a fool because he has given himself to wickedness. And he believes the lie of the demons. And he will be swept away in the destruction of the earth. You know, I come unapologetically to you today. And I'm asking honestly the question, can you be awakened to what's truly going on? in the church today. So I'm going to talk to you this week about Samson. Samson is a story that troubles me a great deal because it is the picture of the American church that we're dealing with. And Samson is a picture of many of the pastors of the American church, wicked to the core, but called by God, in full rebellion. Come on, let's name it like it is. The church has lost all influence in the culture. It is ridiculed by the pagans. It is not walking with respect of the pagans. It is not walking in righteousness. It's bought the lie of the sinning Christian. It's cotton candy, Jesus. Eating the the straw, the apples of Sodom and Gomorrah. But let's go. I'm going to take you into this. If you have the courage to listen, Let the Holy Spirit awaken your heart. Some of you will quickly turn aside because you don't want to hear this. Doom and gloom. No, it's not. It's reality. And you need to face reality. Judges, the 13th chapter. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, So the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. Now, we would expect, reading carefully the book of Judges, that the next thing we would see would be the people of Israel crying out to God for deliverance from The Philistines. But that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. They're not crying out against the Philistines. They have made accommodations with the Philistines. 
They're not separate from the Philistines. The borders are wide open. People can go and come both ways. It's not a problem. They're not crying out to God to deliver them. They're comfortable under the lordship of the Philistines. They've lost the God of heaven, but the Philistines don't mind if they have a few little worship services and they follow some of their traditions. But it's dead. It's empty. So the children of Israel have set up the the chief god of, of Cana, Baal, They have set up the Asherah poles, which are literally phallic symbols of the female goddess, Astroth. And so in their worship, they have the opportunity to offer the sacrifices that their culture has accustomed them to, and then they're able to have illicit sexual relationships with the temple Prostitutes on the high places, both men and women, prostitutes. So it's a very flesh-pleasing atmosphere in Israel. They don't want to get rid of all this. America is very comfortable with its wickedness. It's very comfortable in the church with, oh, we have the truth and we're on our way to heaven and God loves us and, and yes, let's go. Let's go to this wicked entertainment. Let's go to the strip club. Let's go gamble, smoke our cigars. Let's talk about the football game, and let's talk about all the worldly things that men like to talk about. After the worship service, is there any serious prayer going on? In most places, no. Even at the National Prayer Chapel, the answer is often no. Breaks my heart. You know when it's hard to pray that you have idols in your heart. You know when prayer does not flow among God's people, they're not including him in the conversation. Oh, they'll joke. They'll put each other down, but they won't pray. It's too hard. The idols stand in their way. It breaks my heart. There's no cry against the Philistines. And so... The Lord comes. It says an angel of the Lord, but if you look in the NIV, Lord is capitalized because it's really the pre-incarnate Jesus. He comes to a couple and tells them they're going to have a baby. And he instructs them that no razors to be used on his head because the boy is to be a Nazarite set apart to God from birth and that he will begin the deliverance of Israel from the hands of the Philistines. Well, they don't want that. Well, as we read the story, 
they offer before the Lord a sacrifice and the Lord touches it with his rod and the flame bursts up from the altar toward heaven and then the angel of the Lord ascends in the fire. Seeing this, Manoah and his wife fall to their faces on the ground and they say, we're doomed to die. We've seen God. Well, the woman gave birth to a boy. They named this boy Samson. He grew, and the Lord blessed him, the scriptures say. The spirit of the Lord began to stir in him when he was in one area as he grew into manhood. So Samson went down to Timnah, and he saw there a young Philistine woman. And when he returned, he said to his father and mother, I've seen a Philistine woman in Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. Well, mom and dad still had a love for the Lord God of heaven, and they knew this was wrong. They said, isn't there an acceptable woman among your relatives or among all of our people? Must you go to the uncircumcised Philistines to get a wife? But Samson said to his father, get her for me. She's the right one for me. And then this brief statement that's so troublesome to my heart. Verse 4, his parents did not know that this was from the Lord who was seeking an occasion to confront the Philistines. For at that time, they were ruling over Israel. In other words, God could not find a way to create trouble or dissatisfaction between Israel and the Philistines. They had become one. God cannot find today a way to awaken his people. They have believed lies that they're saved eternally because they said, yes, Jesus. They said, I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior, but that's not the salvation issue because Jesus doesn't accept them because they're still walking in rebellion and sin against him. How can God awaken America? Well, the only way that I know that God can awaken America is to cause such anguish and pain and trouble. How could God turn the hearts of the Egyptians in such a way that they would release Israel from captivity during Moses' time? but they didn't want to be released from their slavery. They feared the Egyptians. They didn't fear God. They had enough to eat. Yeah, they had to kill their babies, the baby boys, but okay, you got to put up with some stuff, right? So we today, we deal with our abortions and we deal with wickedness and... Okay, 
have to deal with something. It's a wicked country, okay, but we have our family and we have our money and we have our houses and we have everything that's comfortable. Do you know what God had to do to the children of Israel to get them to be ready to move out? He had to cause the plagues to fall on the children of Israel as well as on Egypt. If you look at the four horses of the apocalypse, these four horses are released by Jesus upon the earth. They're not released by the devil. They're released by Jesus. There are only four horses. There are, there are more seals, but there are only four horses. Why? Because the four horses of the apocalypse go forth to prepare God's people to make them so miserable and so unhappy in the world that they will begin to long for and cry out for salvation from Jesus. Until that happens, I don't think America can be awakened. You've heard me praying for and crying out for judgment unto repentance. That's because I know the judgments of God are going to be poured out on America and the world in the four horses of the apocalypse. We're now ready for that black horse of judgment that will do a total reset of the finances. And when you don't have money to buy food, when everything is being destroyed, then people might begin to turn their hearts toward Jesus. We haven't done it during the fiery horse of war. Perhaps, perhaps when the financial reset comes, some people might decide it's time to wake up. When your 401k is gone, when your social security is no longer able to buy your food, when your pension has been destroyed by inflation, what will it take for you to decide to wake up and turn aside from the very pleasant Philistine country that we now live in called America? What will it take for you to wake up? I know many who listen to this day by day have taken a position that, okay, pastor, we hear you. And I'm growing, and I'm making progress, pastor. Just be patient with me. No, we're at the end of the world. Get it done. Get right with Jesus. Repent of your sin. Cut off every unclean thing. Be totally sold out for Jesus. That when this horrible time described in Isaiah 24 comes to the earth, and it's coming in your lifetime, As that comes, will you be able to sing and praise the name of Jesus and lift up your hands to honor him? Or will you be among those who are cursing and angry and bitter and say, why is God treating us like this? When will you wake up? When will you say, I can't play with sin any longer? can't believe it. Some of you who've talked with me are living with a man or a woman you're not married to. You live in fornication. Some of you who talk to me admit 
that you're drinking way too much alcohol. In fact, you're an alcoholic. But it's okay. You can handle your alcohol. No, you can't. Some of you admit when I ask, are you are you clear with Jesus? And you'll say, oh, there are some things I'm still working on. What? This isn't a matter of working on it. This is a matter of being crucified with Christ, of dying and saying, I'm done with bitterness. I'm done with anger. I'm done with sexual uncleanness. I'm done with the movies. I'm done with the the worldliness. Come out and be separate. Touch no unclean thing, the Lord says, and I will receive you and I will be a father and you will be a son to me. Is that your experience? If not, when are you going to make the decision? My brother, my sister. The Philistines rule in America. And the church is comfortable with it that way. It's time to wake up. It's time to turn aside from this darkness. But God could find no way to get at these people called the children of Israel. In Moses' day, he had to send the plagues on them. In our day, he's going to send the four horsemen against us. The four horsemen being released are for the purpose of making the Christian so uncomfortable that they will begin to cry out to God for deliverance and to bring about the birthing of the Antichrist and a one-world government. Do you understand? We're at the end of time. The storm is breaking upon us now. Now, I'm going to say one thing that some of you may have trouble with, but let me say it and say it clearly. I believe in many conservative principles. I believe in hard work. I believe in integrity. I believe in many of the tenets of the conservative movement in America. But I am not a conservative I am a Christian. And as a Christian, I don't try to maintain the social How do I how do I say it? I don't try to maintain the social culture of our day. It's wicked. I want a total reformation. A total change in America. I want to be back in the day when America was filled with integrity and honesty. There are some people who are saying, Pastor, come on. You know that revival only happens among Christian people. The memory of the gospel has been erased in America. America will never have a revival. Wrong. The gospel of Jesus Christ has great power. And for those who are willing to wake up and stand up. And as these 
horses of the apocalypse are released and the persecution begins. And believe me, persecution against Christians is coming to America and it will come by right-wing conservatives. Some of you won't like that, but it's true. We will not always be a lawless nation. We will be under tyranny. We will be under the strong hand of dictatorship. As government and corporations combine their power together to rule over the destruction of the middle class and the poor. That the elites could live. It's a wicked one world government plan. So God is looking at his people, the children of Israel, and he's saying, where is there a handle I can get a hold of these people and sufficiently shake them? How can I cause trouble between the the children of Israel and the Philistines? They are so much one. How How can I separate them out? And so God goes about using a prophet who is only willing to do something if it's in his perceived best interest. So he's a lying prophet. He's an evil man. But God is going to use him, and then God is going to save him. So... His parents don't know that God is trying to break the relationship between the Philistines and the children of Israel. Many of you don't recognize that God is now in the process of setting up something called persecution that will separate the children of God from the children of the world. And many who call themselves Christians today will fly from the church and the churches. Many of them will just collapse and be closed. Now as Samson is going down to Timnah with his mother and his father, they're not walking together, they're not traveling together, they're separate. And suddenly a young lion comes roaring out toward him and the spirit of the Lord comes upon him in power. He tears the lion apart with his bare hands as he might have torn a young goat. This is a strong man. He doesn't tell anyone what happened. He goes down, he talks with the woman, they make arrangements for the marriage. The marriage will be about a year later. So sometime later, about a year, he comes back to marry this woman. But out of curiosity, he turns aside to see this lion that he has killed. The carcass is there. The flesh has been eaten away, but the bones are there. And a swarm of bees has made honey in that carcass. So he scoops out some with his hands. I don't know how he did that without getting stung, but he did. And he brings it along and he finds his parents and he gives them some of the honey to eat too. 
but he doesn't tell them that he took it out of a lion's carcass. So they go down. Samson makes a big feast, as is customary, for the bridegrooms. He's given 30 companions. And Samson, let me tell you a riddle. If you can give me the answer within seven days of the feast, I will give you 30 linen garments and 30 sets of clothes. If you can't tell me the answer, you must give me 30 linen garments and 30 sets of clothes. Well, tell us your riddle, they said. Let's hear it. Out of the eater, something to eat. Out of the strong, something sweet. God is moving on this man, even though he doesn't recognize it's God moving on him. I'm praying, oh God. Would you begin to move on these pastors in America, even though they won't know that it's you moving? And would you cause them to take actions that will cause a separation between the Philistines of America and the church of Jesus Christ? Well, on the fourth day, they couldn't, they couldn't give an answer. And by the way, these riddles were very popular in that day. They said to Samson's new wife, coax your husband into explaining the riddle for us, or we're going to burn you and your father's household to death. We're going to kill you. Did you invite us here to rob us? Oh, do you see? There's beginning to be a conflict now. Revival will only come out of conflict. I don't like that, but it's true. We think revival comes out of wonderful praise and worship music. No, it doesn't. Take your band, pastor. If you want to do something worth doing, take your band and go out on a street corner somewhere, play your music, and then you preach to the pagans who come. Now you're doing something worthwhile. Go take your band to a park and set up in the park and play there your music. Get your band out of your church. You don't need it in church. You need it in the park. The pagans will come and listen to you. You're playing worldly music anyway. No, come on. Isn't it time to wake up? So Samson's wife throws herself on him sobbing. You hate me. You don't really love me. You've given my people a riddle, but you haven't told me the answer. Well, I haven't explained it to my father or my mother, he replied. Why should I explain it to you? So she cried the whole seven days of the feast. So on the seventh day, he finally told her, because she continued to press him, she in turn explained the riddle to her people. Before sunset on the seventh day, the men of the town came to him. What is sweeter than honey? What is stronger than a lion? And Samson answers, If you'd not plowed with my heifer, you would not have solved my riddle. And he was angry. So the Spirit of the Lord came upon him in power. Now I want you to see this. The only way God could get a hold of the children of Israel and separate them from the wicked Philistines was to cause their prophet 
to become so enraged that he would do things that would cause the Philistines to be upset with them. The church today is so concerned about being comfortable with the world. Oh, no. The church can be told by the government, you're not essential. Close down your church. Yes, sir, we'll close it down. One man said to me, Pastor, are you going to close down the National Prayer Chapel? I said, no. Well, he said, you ought to. You've got to obey the government. No, I don't. I obey God. And when the government's command and God's command are separate, we follow the command of God. We are first Christians. We are secondly Americans. Do you understand? The witness that would have been born in America had the churches said, we're not getting your vaccine and we're not closing our churches and we're not wearing your mask. Oh, that would have created some real conflict in America. And the separation between the church and the Philistines would have commenced. But American churches rolled over and said, yes, sir, we'll close down. We're not essential. Never mind that Costco and Walmart and the grocery stores, giant, they're all essential. But we're not essential. We're not essential. We'll obey. So the very time when God tried to create conflict, they refused it. They rolled over. Well, next time they're not going to roll over because they won't be able to roll over. God is going to set it up to be so painful and so difficult. So the spirit of the Lord came upon him in power. This is chapter 14 of Judges, verse 19. He went down to Ashkelon, struck down 30 of their men, stripped them of their belongings, and gave their clothes to those who had explained the riddle. Burning with anger, he went to his father's house. Samson's wife was given to the friend who had attended him in a wedding. Uh Uh-oh. Samson only works by revenge. He doesn't work by conviction. He doesn't work by the direction of the Spirit. The Spirit of God had to set him up. Can I tell you? When I pray, and I do every day, Lord, bring judgment unto revival. I'm asking that the American church be set up to be in conflict, that it will have to make a decision about whom it will serve. We don't want any conflict because we want our pleasant life to continue as it is. We want our money to flow. We want our house. We want our car. We want our friends. We want our restaurants. We want everything of the world. Later on, at the time of the wheat harvest, Samson took a young goat and went to his wife. And he said to his father-in-law, I'm going into my wife's room, but But her father wouldn't let him go in. He said, no, 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 no. I was so sure you thoroughly hated her. He said, I gave her to your friend. Isn't her younger sister more attractive than her? Samson said to them, this time I have a right to get even with the Philistines. I'm going to harm them. 
To me, it breaks my heart that the only way God could get the attention of the children of Israel to separate them from the Philistines was the rage and anger of their prophet who created trauma and difficulty with the public authorities. It's time to wake up or God will have to do that to the American church. I pray he doesn't have to do that to us, but every indicator is that the American church, maybe you as an American Christian, are treating Christianity like a self-improvement project. You want to learn the strategies for success. You want to learn how to how to improve your situation. You want to say, oh, pastor, what do I have to do to overcome this sin? Well, very simple. Cut off your hand if it causes you to sin. What? Amputation is the only thing Jesus knew. Paul said in Romans 6, you have to die. You have to be baptized into the crucifixion of Jesus' death. The American church is just like the children of Israel. At peace with the Philistine world in which we live, where every wickedness is present, every compromise is made, And we think that some great leader is going to emerge in America in the political world and he's going to rescue us and we're going to be okay and our happiness will continue. As one false prophet said, don't you know, we're entering into a time of great prosperity. No, we're not. We're entering into the four horses of the apocalypse. We've come to the end. And my question is, will you make a decision to wake up and get with Jesus? To turn your TV off, to turn your computer off, to get off your cell phone, constantly checking it. Will you get in the scriptures and begin to pray and seek the face of God? Will you travail? Will you agonize with God to change what's happening in the American church? But even more so, will you travail to ask God to change what's happening in your own heart. Your lukewarmness, your casualness. Business as usual. Let's go make some money. Let's go have a good time. God loves us. We're all saved. We're on our way to heaven. Thank you, Jesus. We're on our way to heaven. No, you're not. Not if there's sin in your life. Not if there's no fear of God before your eyes. I pray this message today has startled you, awakened you, caused you to say, whoa, I better start to pray. When was the last time you got on your face before God and prayed all night? When was the last time you told your friends, look, I can't walk in this sin anymore with you. I can't drink with you. I can't gamble with you. I can't, I can't, I can't. I'm going to serve Jesus. I'm going to follow the King of Kings. Come with me. Let's follow Jesus. When was the last time you said that? 
No, we sit down and we don't want to rock the boat and we want to get everybody happy and everybody comfortable. Everybody asleep. Oh, my brother, my sister. Do you see what's happening? Do you see what's happening? Well, today we are at the halfway point through this month, a very difficult financial month. And we're not halfway there yet in terms of offerings to cover the cost of radio. I'd like to continue. I'd like to continue as the Lord leads us. But to do that, I have to be able to pay the radio bill. And some of you say, oh, pastor, don't talk about money. People get turned off at money. Yeah, because they're lukewarm. They're not invested in the kingdom of God. There should be a flood of resources, not only to do this station, but to go nationwide because the nation needs to hear these kinds of messages. But we can't because people don't want to sacrifice. Some of you could easily donate $5,000, $10,000. Some of you can donate $100. You can write to me, National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. That's National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Now you can also go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, nationalprayerchapel.com. You can give online. You can listen to this message again. You can pass it on to a friend. And I ask, would you also subscribe to this channel that you that Google will spread it even further? God bless you, my brother, my sister. I love you. Talk to you soon. <laughs>